Welcome to the brand new music podcast Right Behind Us. I'm your host Brandon Daniel of the Seattle band BD and the Sheiks. Right Behind Us is a conversation between two recording artists, the kind of conversations musicians regularly have uh, backstage in the green room or on the curb outside of a show. This is loose talk about creativity, the narrative of a career, challenges and limitations in music, things that suck, and things that are amazing. These kind of conversations rarely leave those comfortable settings I just described, and I wanted to bring them to you. Today our guest is Brent Amaker from the groups Brent Amaker and the Rodeo, and most recently, Android Amaker. Brent gets pretty heavy on this inspiration for his latest project, Android Amaker, which includes Raymond Kurzweil's philosophy. We also get into Brent's legend and touring and his performing in a prison with his band the rodeo brent is a fascinating artist with a lot of experience you may have noticed that i sound a little congested this week because i am got a little cold uh it's full on fall here in the pacific northwest and i have a kid in elementary school so getting sick is inevitable sorry for the congested voice don't mean to distract you let's get into it Today we're sponsored by Future Vapor, located at 1828 12th Avenue on Capitol Hill in Seattle. Do you vape? Do you smoke and think about switching? If you're a musician, the answer to both those questions is probably yes. Check out Future Vapor for the e-cig products and knowledgeable staff who tell you everything you need to know about the product that you are taking in. Zach, the owner, is a former musician who's created a very chill vintage lounge for you to vape in, chat, and most importantly, he has all the answers for the questions you might have about vaping. All right, now let's hear from Mr. Amaker. I'm the operator of my pocket calculator. He's the operator of his pocket calculator. I'm the operator of my pocket calculator. Tell me He's about the, the uh, Android Amaker thing. What happened with? How did that get? I mean, that was, I guess, it maybe a year back now. I mean, uh-huh. it's weird how time it ticks away. But yeah, uh, I had. Uh, Two or three years back, became increasingly obsessed with um, the concept of the singularity and Raymond Kurzweil and the things that he talks about. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. No. Um, so uh, Raymond Kurzweil, Kurzweil is this dude that uh, invented Kurzweil keyboards. You probably heard of the mm. Kurzweil keyboards. They were electric pianos in the 80s. They were like the first touch-sensitive piano, electric piano. And his father was a pianist but and a scientist, and Raymond Kurzweil's a scientist who invented that, but then he also went on to invent uh, Braille-type uh, stuff and voice recognition. Uh, was bra- what was it? It was like it was like voice recognition software uh, so that, actually, so that, like, the blind could you know, you could transfer speaking into written language. And that ultimately became what the first technology that morphed into Siri. And so he continued to invent things. And um, now, uh, as recent as a year or two years ago, Google recruited him as their chief of technology. Hmm. But um, he's written some, some books a long, long time ago predicting the... Uh, rapid acceleration of technology and the concept that it's accelerating so fast now that we can't really comprehend how quickly everything's going to change. And Mm. eventually uh, he predicts in like the year 2045 is when the computing power of the microchip is going to equal that of a human brain. And at that point, you know, that's the whole robots take over Mm. or we his optimistic view is uh robots don't take over but we're going to uh evolve into a different species that's you know augmented with technology Mm. and that's 
to him a natural evolution. He believes that humanity can be and will be immortal. He has this crazy regimen of vitamins that he takes every day, like, you know, handfuls, I don't know, something like 50 or 60 vitamins a day. And he's written this book with a physician called Transcend. Mm. And uh, it's him and a physician giving a road map to people his age or even my age or uh, younger um, that if you're alive today and you want to be immortal, mm. um, it's just a matter of get another, make it another 10 years and you can make it another 10 years because of the way um, now it's not just microchips that are accelerating. It's also uh, medical technology mm. and advancements in the treatment of diseases. So if you can make it another 10 years, then you're likely, if you take advantage of technology, you're going to be able to make it another 10 years. If you make it 20 years, there will be things in place where you can make it 40 years. If you can make it 40 years, you can live forever. Mm. And, uh, you know, his theories talk about uh, that there's you're going to, we're going to be able to have like nanobots in our bloodstream that will repair uh, and, and tissue and will do a more efficient job of oxygenating our blood than our existing cells do. Like that's going to be possible. Wow. And so when I first got into it, it's like, this guy's a nut job. You yeah. Know, this is, this is crazy. But fun to read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's still a little bit of that, but you can't ignore that Google hired him as right. their chief of technology. And right after that, Google's buying up robotics company companies yeah. all over the world. And, uh, so this is going on right now. And yeah. I became increasingly obsessed with it and, me and my buddy uh, Vox Mod mm. were having a conversation a lot like this, and uh, and we're like, wouldn't it be rad to do a uh, music project about this? Mm. And so the Android Amaker project was me and Vox Mod collaborating and writing songs about me as a cowboy in the future in the year 2045, post singularity. Yeah. yeah. And I've uh, downloaded myself into a non-organic android creature ah. to live forever and travel the universe and visit mining colonies and so it's you know it's to full-on sci-fi because it's like a space epic uh. robot me kind of adventure and um so we we started writing these songs we had this big pile of songs and he'd come over with his electronic stuff that he makes music out of uh -huh. and, and some of it was he'd bring a song and i'd write a story over it and then some of them where I had a song that I'd just jam out on the acoustic guitar and he'd convert it to his electronic music yeah yeah uh, and um, and we're like well we need a producer and so we sought out Peace Move from Fresh Espresso and he mm -hmm. was all into the concept and and so once we brought it into him in the studio it morphed even further because he mm he would take this stuff and chop it up and put his flavor on it. Uh, and so we decided to do a record and we self-released it and we decided it was going to be an art project and we were going to do one show ever. Mm. And it wasn't going to be an ongoing project. It was just going to, mm. we were going to release this thing into the universe and let it live. Mm. And we were going to have one show at Numos and mm -hmm. we had this huge uh, show at Numos, mm -hmm. pack, packed it out on a Saturday night we had dancers and lasers and and by the time it was over a lot of people didn't even you know, were just getting on to the fact that it had happened mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and so now it's out there and i'm just now starting to see that uh in the last couple of weeks uh actually the past couple of months berkeley university has been like playing it like crazy on oh, their college great. radio station yeah so i think some places are getting on to it mm -hmm. after the fact and for me it's you know, it's done, <laughs> but, yeah, it, was, it's but cool. it was fun to do. What a cool side project. And, and it's funny. I saw that ad. I think it was like the first time too, that, um, was it the first mural that had been on the side of Numos? That was actually the, the first mural ever was the Brenomaker and the rodeo mural. Oh, and that okay. was, uh, that's what that was. Yeah. That was a image drawn by Takashi Okasaki, who's the mm. creator of Afro Samurai. And he did our did an album cover for us, and we painted this 
Takashi Okazaki original with the assistance of Weirdo, who has Weirdo Cult, who does a lot of murals around Seattle. Mm. And um, and this uh, friend of mine, Jay Glenn, did, did some of the graphic design for the lettering. And so um, we were releasing a Brent Omicron, the rodeo record, and, and uh, we said, why don't we paint the side of Numos? And, <laughs> and uh, some people were like, well, you can't do that. And we talked to Stephen Severin and Mike Meckling and the owners and mm. told them our, our, our idea. And we had this, you know, it was a CD release or album release for the mm-hmm. rodeo. And they were like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <You know>? and, <laughs> I thought it, it was great. Yeah. And we did it. And then, you know, it became a spot. All mm-hmm. of a sudden it's a yeah. mural spot and you, there's been so many rotating murals since then. Yeah. So, uh, that was really cool. I'm kind of proud of it that we diverginized that wall. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and the um, the element of surprise, you know, and it being the first one to to do it and everything yeah. was was great. Um, it's funny though when I um, when I saw the Android Omicur thing, I was like, also similarly, just oh, of course, <laughs> like you know, I just I don't know why it 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 it. it worked for me uh, conceptually before even hearing it i was like oh, i think I people who i think people who really understand me and where i'm coming from with my music with the mm-hmm. rodeo mm-hmm. were not surprised mm-hmm. there's always been this thing with the rodeo where country purists try to get their head around it and they mm-hmm. just they just can't connect or relate to where i'm coming from mm-hmm. but people who know that as a country band my influences are more Devo and the Ramones than they are <laughs> anything else. Mm-hmm. Those folks understand Android Omicron. They understand right. that it's a natural progression. Who are, I mean, do you have, have you had like examples of, of, of maybe uh, music review, you know, review people or whatever that, that have, haven't gotten it? And you're just like, generally speaking of people, write about the rodeo they they've been into it and they and they get it and they make those references but but i definitely have seen it like when i've booked my own national tours mm-hmm. and you and you're like you know talking to booking agents and they're trying to put you on their hillbilly bluegrass night or mm-hmm. their you know and which is great we can we can operate in that world yeah you can hang with that yeah, yeah yeah and we'll and we'll go play those shows but i'd far prefer playing a punk rock bar be the only country band sandwiched in between some punk rock bands or <laughs> or you know be on a bill you know any any venue that's supporting bands that are going to cmj or south by southwest mm. and uh i don't know maybe i've been uh kind of uh resistant of um uh, taking the natural path because i think mm. i think quite honestly now that this thing has matured and it, and I look back on it, uh, we have country music fans that are fans of us. Mm-hmm. And we just, we just this year played two shows opening for the Mavericks, which mm-hmm. is, uh, their Grammy award winning country artists. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they asked us to play these big shows with them. And I was really surprised that this kind of older conservative crowd loved us. Right. Like they, like they freaked out. Right. Um, so, I don't know. You you can't. Uh, you write the country hits. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> you can you can want to be whatever you want to be, but you can't choose your fans. It's true. And uh, any of us are lucky to have fans. That's right. So I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't care where they come from. If they like my music, that's good. Yeah, totally. Uh, what I love that line too um, in uh, in Android Omicron. Um, where you, you said, uh, somebody had to do it first, right? Yeah. Or is it something yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Paraphrasing, but yeah, someone had that. to do it first. I've already transported. I mean, that's, I, I just had a visual image of this mad scientist who was me down in a basement, hammering away, trying to invent this thing, this thing that, uh, you know, kind of like Kurzweil, he, he has a vision. Yeah, and you know now you know he's in his sixties and he's chief technology officer at Google. You got to think that he's got the resources. Yeah, and he's got access to physicians who can prescribe him whatever he wants. And I guarantee you, with his vision, 
we don't even know what's going on with him. You know, you, sure. you see public stuff, but, you know, you watch all these sci-fi movies about the, the billionaire who has this technology to become immortal or whatever, and it's usually a doomsday kind of scenario. Right. Um, but we're living in a time where that kind of stuff, uh, what could lead to that could be going on right now. I've had a, I had a friend, um, who was, uh, one of those kind of hyper geniuses in the technology world. And, and, uh, he's much older than me, but he, he has one of those minds that yeah. like, won't quit in that way. And so, like, and so somebody's going to do it first. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to crack the code for either immortality or, uh, some sort of genetic research or, mm-hmm. or, and, and what, and the, the lines are going to get blurred between uh, technology scientists and bio, you know, medical scientists mm. because we're, you know, we've already got the Apple watch we put on our arm and this whole segment of the market, it, the, the next big thing is wearable technology. And, mm. and it was, uh, you know, we laughed it off with the Google glass because that was so geeky. Nobody wanted to do it. Yeah. Right. But when they get the technology small enough and you think about everybody's necks are getting sore, you know, <laughs> from standing at the standing at the stoplight yeah. and staring at their iPhone. Yeah. And yeah. I guarantee you, as soon as we can stick a chip back behind your ear yeah. and just be jacked in, there's going to be people lined up to do it. That's a good point. That's you know, right. yeah, they're, they're not going to hesitate. And then so mm. think about this. If you can interface with your phone through thought, we can already, we can, there's already robot hands that can be put on amputees that they can interface mm-hmm. with the hand and work it with their brain. Right? What about all of our fucked up thoughts though? Like, yeah, I mean, well, yeah. I don't know. There's gotta be some filtering, but if <laughs> yeah. you, but if you can yeah. do that, yeah. right. If you yeah. can control the device with your brain and yeah. you can wear it, yeah. then isn't that really telepathy? Yeah. Haven't we really crossed the bridge at that point that we, mm-hmm. and then, you know, already kids can't, don't learn to type or write cursive anymore. Mm. Well, maybe the, you know, the human language will be gone at some point when it's just like people are just too lazy to open their mouths. Oh man, I, you know? I'm, I'm, um, I'm guilty of being a, uh, speak, uh, um, text writer. Yeah. Like I, I, I hit yeah. the microphone button and talk them out. Yeah. And I try to be, I mean, I try about 50% of the time to be grammatically correct, but the other 50% of the time they just, yeah. And it comes out horrible. So, uh, how many people do you know that, uh, have ditched their voicemail, you know? Oh yeah, totally. Because they just text me, you know, you can see who called you and then, yeah, Yeah. you can just text. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's gone. And so take it to the next level. You can interface with your technology without Mm. having a device. Hmm. And you can probably set, put settings on there on what you want to see and what you don't want to see and mm. filter it. And next thing you know, like people are going to just be checking out of the physical world and checking. They already have to a large mm-hmm. degree, you know, there's, and then, so then here's the, here's the other theory mm. is there's this other scientist and his name escapes me, but he's as educated and has written as many books as Kurzweil Mm -hmm. and his theory is this is leading to the greatest cultural divide in world war that the world has ever seen and it'll be the end of the world because because as we're talking about this now there's probably people who will listen to it and say I don't want to live in that world right and so the second that happens Mm -hmm. there's going to be communities that check out there's going to be subculture there's going to be communes where no technology is allowed um (laughs) because we're going to be talking about two different species those are called retreats right now yeah but (laughs) but but what it's gonna be what it's gonna be in the future it's gonna be two different species Uh uh-huh there's gonna be the cyborgs the people who have willingly merged with technology Uh and there's gonna be people that say humans only right you know 
Right. No. Well, you know what's interesting? I, I was listening to a TED talk about this, and they were they were talking about actually we are witnessing already the evolution. It's of, happening right of man. now, and it's not just because of of, of chips. Yeah. It's because we are actually treating our technology the same way we treated um, the just you know our, our primate discovery of tools. Yeah. You know, and so you know that that took us from primate to you know Homo sapien, yes. and and um, and we're at a time now where it's happening so quick. We're actually able to see the evolution happening. I, I got called out uh, for being a little bit of a, a know-it-all dork because I've been listening to so many TED talks yeah. that I know that. A friend of mine, one one, and you night, can learn from that too. Like oh, there's, a, a there's a whole another uh, source of education that's not really considered a degree, but somebody sure. somebody can have a massive background of information through YouTube tutorials and TED talks and exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think that that is, I, I mean, those are the kind of minds I like to know, and, the, yeah. and that's the kind of mind that I unwillingly have. You know, it, it's it's just I just am a curious person, and there's a reason for this. You and know? That, that, those type of people are the same people who used to be massive readers of right. books. Right, so the, sure. So yeah, the, sure. the next yeah. generation of folks that are way into TED Talks, are that's the that's the evolution of what used to be book club yeah, yeah. geeks, right? Totally. And, and, and yeah, and podcasters, you yeah. know, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's a book right. club. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. a good point. Um, but you know, one, one of my friends was like saying, you know, isn't it sad to live in a time where, you know, it feels like we're regressing. Yeah. And I said, well, actually, you know, the people who are tracking this are, are saying that we're no, we're evolving rapidly. And then I had another friend who said, you know, isn't it sad that I, I live in a time where nobody's, you know, a reader. It's like two different days two different scenarios same answer coming from me it's like actually there's some research showing that we read quicker than we ever have because of the tech yeah. because of the right. technology and and the, the the streaming of of content that we see in front of yeah. our mind you know from our eyes our minds just takes takes those words in quicker like a speed yeah. reader right that was some know-it-all shit i was I, I should be more careful with my friends but no, at the same time, at the same time, I feel like I'm spreading some optimism into this to this narrative of of our community. It's saying, you know, and I said to my wife, it was like, I think sometimes you can just be moving so fast forward that yeah. it appears as if you're going backwards, like the spokes on a wheel. Yeah, that's that's a great analogy, and. Optimism, as you say, that's there's two different ways you can look at it. The one thing that everybody can agree on is the world is changing faster than it ever has. Mm -hmm. Everything from global warming to, which is a bad thing, to mm -hmm. technology, which can be a good thing. To mm -hmm. but it's it's just it's changing rapidly, and so you've got this. Back to Kurzweil, you got this one scientist who's an optimist, and his vision of the future is immortality, and we cure all diseases and we live forever, and we figure out our resource problems through technology. We figure out global warming through technology. Like his thing is, if we don't destroy ourselves first, we're heading towards utopia. And uh, <laughs> and then there's this other one that's like, this is going to be the end of us. But you know, people... It seems like nihilistic, pe though. Well, but people have been saying the world wouldn't survive the nuclear age since I was born. Oh, totally. You know, uh, yeah, we, we, were gonna, we were going to die from... You know, we all, everybody in the 50s built bomb shelters and uh, somehow we survived it, right? And they taught and, it in schools. Yeah, and now, now we're not, now we're not going to survive ISIS and, and the terrorists. You know, there's always oh. like, there's always something mm. that you can, but you know what? Uh, organic creatures have a way of surviving. Humanity has a way of surviving. And uh, I think we're going to survive. We just may be a different species. I think it's really funny that um, that people, you know, keep wondering why, you know, we have uh, such a massive uh, societal craving for, you know, these post-apocalyptic and, and um, zombie, you know, kind of uh, flicks and everything when that is the that truly is the tale as old as time. Like, yeah. 
since the beginning of man, yeah, we have been, or the evolutionary beginning of man, we have been predicting our end. Yeah. It's the start of like every great culture that has ever been. It's great for politics too, right? The, <laughs> the end is coming. You can campaign on that, you know, yeah, let's yeah. fix something. And, uh, but it's some of the, th- the things they choose to fix aren't the things that, that really matter. You know, one thing you said uh, popped out to me, too, because I just had that, this experience when you were working with Voxmod and then later the producer. I, I did a, pro- a side project recently, or um, I guess it was just a, a featured uh, artist with um, Prom Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, we did this. Uh, yeah, I like Prom Queen. Yeah, she's Celine's cool. Great, yeah. yeah, Celine's great. But uh, we wrote a song together for ABC Disney. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they they commissioned us to do it. And then and then we we wrote it in here on an acoustic guitar and a bass. And then um, we knew all along that it was a duet that was going to be um, the music itself was actually going to be electronic. But Mm -hmm. we were commissioned to write and sing the song. So we wrote it on our instruments and then sent it to um, a producer who I work with a lot uh, named Tom Biller. And he was in charge of the production of the music. And yeah, so he took, you know, our little acoustic yeah. bass track and and evolved it into a completely electronic song. Well, you know, a good song is a good song. Right. And it doesn't matter what format you put it in. That's why it's true. That's why Johnny Cash could do a nine inch nail song mm. and it translated and it worked. It's because mm-hmm. there was a song there. Yeah. You know, there was a good song there and yeah. the re- reverse is true as well. And all these bands that are, you know, this genre or that, the one thing that holds true for any of them that succeed is songwriting. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, you can take a, you can take an acoustic song and make it electronic. You can take an electronic song and make it acoustic. You can, what, what I really am kind of into, I mean, the one thing that kind of came to me after the Android Amaker thing is I'm really proud of what we did, and I, and I really enjoy electronic music, and I even listen to a decent amount of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm becoming more enamored with people who play their instruments live more than ever right mm. now. Because, uh, you know, EDM and so many of these bands are getting (laughs) so big and they're playing arenas and you know that it's really just, you know, karaoke for the most part. I I know it's insulting to a a lot of electronic music people, but um, I think just from a, if I'm going to, if I'm going to go watch somebody play music. I, I'm intrigued by knowing that there has to be some musicianship when it has to do with like old school instruments. Well, I mean, it's like even, you know? w- even with rap, like they, you have a man or a woman, you know, they might be saying the same lines, you know, from their record. Yeah. But they're, they're showing you their skill. They're giving that experience to yeah. you. And then it's funny, it's changed our, our, our perspective, it's changed on this, like, what did they always have? They always had a DJ yeah, right, right. there. What was he doing? He was using his skills, yeah, and cutting I, a record. And I, I, I don't want to paint such a broad stroke as to say that I'm bummed out by that, because, I mean, there's people like Vox Mod who... He's playing an instrument, you know, he's up there sure. on stage or like air triggering stuff, you know, in a rhythmic way mm. and things that he's built and it like he's truly performing. Mm. Uh, and and, you know, there's also these electronic uh, artists that they've got bunch of different stuff on stage and they're mm. interacting with each other. Yes. Yeah. And um, so. There's lots of different ways to play live music. And mm. I guess what I'm saying is, whether it's electronic or what I grew up with, I'm becoming increasingly intrigued with the element of chance that something might go wrong because you're physically yep. 
engaging yeah. with the music on stage also which can be the th- which can be like uh, something going wrong on stage can actually be the thrill of the show right it's like all of a sudden you get to see it in a way that it's never come out of that artist before mm-hmm. uh, although you know there's a fine line for me because I've never really been into jam bands you know that I mean I, yeah. I, I, they, they kind of lose me but right. but I like the idea of being able to see the best version of that song ever or maybe right maybe it's a disaster right but at least, but it's not just yeah. played off of a yeah yeah right. you know i mean it, it's funny i, I i'm a, i'm totally with you on this i mean it's um and i don't know maybe edm is is actually gonna you know maybe prevails and it becomes this huge thing and to the artists who create that music um uh, i'm sure you probably agree I, I don't have anything against their creation of the yeah. music it's just more their their public Exactly. Uh, performance I, no, of it that I, I, seems boring. There's some that you know I can get behind, and sure. I, I like to listen to all types of music. Yeah. Um, and again, getting back to if it's a great song, it's a great song. It doesn't matter what the format is. Well, and I respect. You know, the thing is, people don't realize about electronic music is that um, it's just as unique as the person, as just as unique as the guy with the or the gal with the guitar. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's all, um, uh, someone's mind becoming a musical thumbprint through whatever form it is. Yeah. There are purists that are like, Oh, like, you know, so down on electronic. And I, and I'm not really with that because, um, you know, I'm a musician. I, I, I train myself to, to, you know, play an instrument and have done it for 20 years. That's the only thing I want to do. Yeah. I don't have it. I don't want to go learn how to make electronic music. So, I you have a choice. You know, respect the electronic musician or don't. And I absolutely yeah. do because they're doing something I don't want to do, and they're making. And there's no point in whining about it. I mean, exactly. Let's let's uh, be realistic. There's new technology and new instruments, and these folks have learned their instrument. Yeah. And if you are bummed out by their music it really <laughs> says more about you than yeah. anything that maybe you're outdated and you're unable to you know get with the times and, right. and move forward but i also think at the same time there's always a backlash and when things get mm. really big mm. uh then something else comes back around again mm-hmm. and i feel like it may already be happening but for sure there's going to be a place for uh playing what what i think of as old school instruments yeah. at this point yeah, yeah or and, no definitely definitely I, I even noticed i mean we feel as a as a group that we moved out of the garage uh atmosphere you know um a couple of years ago but um what's funny is that garage atmosphere is is like uh, i feel like popping up again right now there's yeah. A bunch of great groups out there like Lelouz and 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 um, Ty Siegel and everything they're they're kind of intimately connected, but um, that are you know lo-fi, yeah, uh, to the to the hilt and and that's like its own. It's definitely has a its thing. own popularity. It's a thing right now, and mm-hmm. and so I'd say that kind of speaks to what I'm saying a little bit. It's yeah. like all of a sudden you're like, well, I kind of dig it because it doesn't sound perfect. Yeah, you know, I right. kind of I kind of dig it that they're playing through some vintage amps, yeah. and you get a specific sound from that, and it's not created in a computer. Well, in that know? particular regard, I guess I'm still that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that particular regard, um, well, one thing I mean, the the fun thing about this experience is that I get to ask people who you know I whom I've known of for in in with in case with you. Uh, many years now uh some some things that i've always wondered yeah. and one of them is how did you you're known as i as i know of you as as the mayor of west seattle <laughs> how did that come about <laughs> it may not be that interesting uh though. it was just uh there was a it happened it was this time back when the uh benbo uh was Still the real Benbo before, right. but even before Heartland took Benbo it over. Benbo being the, the, the ship-shaped yeah. 
the ship bar in West bar. Seattle. Yeah, and it was it was the best dive bar I think in all of Seattle back in the day. Right. And there was this one, you know, crazy bartender that was always in a bad mood that was serving <laughs> stiff drinks and and uh, you know it was kind of like a secret thing and you'd uh-huh. go there and hang out in the pirate ship with your friends and. And I just knew, I hung out there a lot and I knew a lot of different West Seattleites and, Mm. and I don't know who said it. Uh, I think at the time, uh, Barbara Mitchell was there and this guy that ran the West Seattle fun blog and, uh, which was kind of this parody blog that Mm -hmm. he was somebody that, uh, I guess was it odds with the West Seattle blog, and he went and started his own, <laughs> started his own parody blog uh, uh, that was just like all just like super crude, insulting <laughs> stuff. And so uh, he said, "Dude, you're the mayor of West Seattle," and, uh, and uh, he's like, "I'm going to start a Facebook page," and he like started it up and uh, used my picture, and then he gave me control over it, and then oh, people start, then people started like you know, saying that. And, and, um, and I would occasionally make a proclamation to the people on the West Seattle, uh, mayor of West Seattle. Oh my God, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it was just a short term joke, but then people started saying it a lot and it's just stayed. Yeah. It's just stayed. But, uh, I mean, shit, I'll take that. West Seattle is a great place. It Um, is a great place. And, uh, I, I, the, the really funny part is there was like, Two or other, two or at least two other people who considered themselves the mayor of West Seattle that started getting really pissed off and wanted to wanted to challenge me (laughs) to like contest and stuff to to determine who the real mayor of West Seattle was. And I'm like, dude, there's no such thing. I'm fake mayor. You're fake mayor. We can all be fake mayor. It's pretty uh, infantile. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So um, another thing is what. How did the, the the Brent Amaker and the rodeo? How did that? I mean, there's something that's clearly conceptualized. Yeah, I mean, how I how did that come about? I like I said, um, people who understand me realize that Brent Amaker and the rodeo is more about doing a concept project like the way Devo did mm. or the Ramones. I mean, I always was dug projects that it was very clear what they were. Yeah. Um, you didn't have to try to figure out what they were. They did it in their look, in their sound, mm. in the way they wrote songs. And from one record to the next, there might be changes, but you knew it was them. Right. For sure. Which is why when I decided I need to do something different, it was more appropriate to do Android Amaker than to try to... And I had started to write a bunch of country songs about science fiction concepts, and they weren't really fitting in. Mm really well to the Brent Amaker and the rodeo mold. And so I just, um, when the rodeo started, we had very set parameters on what it was. We had rules. We stuck to the rules. We, you know, one of the rules was that, uh, when we toured and we traveled, um, we wore our outfits all the time, Yeah, you know, and, uh, we went. We had a couple of tours where we had to get a new band member, and it was always fun breaking the new band member in because you were judged by how uh, small your suitcase was. If it got too big, you know, you were way out of line, and you did not understand the rodeo culture right. because there was no point to be bringing anything other than socks and underwear and t-shirts because you're going to keep the same uniform. Yes, all the time, all yeah. the time. Yeah. and um, and so it became. You know, it started off as these records, and then we started touring, and it became, it, it was really like a psychedelic trip to some degree, because you got to go out across the U.S., or we did four tours in Europe, yeah. and interact with people, and uh, see how people interact with you mm. when you, when when five dudes in matching black or white, depending on the record, cowboy suits walk into your bar or your restaurant or your diner for breakfast or your hotel or just walking down the street. And we found out the irony was that in big cities, uh, we were very welcome. And in places that uh, were not necessarily country sort of places, Mm -hmm. we were very welcome. It got a little sketchy sometimes (laughs) in honky tonks in Texas 
and places like that because they were like, because they were like, who are you? Yeah. What are you doing here? Yeah. Why are you here? There's this kind of, it was an affront. And you know, I grew, I grew up down in Oklahoma, so I know that thing. There's this, there's this redneck thing where you got to challenge people. And then depending on how you handle the challenge, they'll be your best friend by the end of the night or they'll run you out of town. Right. Um, but you got to stand up to them and you got to be ready to, you know, look them in the eye. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and not flinch when they Mm. try to intimidate you. And, uh, so it was, it was, was, is to some degree a social experiment. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been also a conceptual art project kind of thing. It's also been a true extension of my upbringing and that, Mm. you know, uh, I'm a guy that grew up in the eighties listening to new wave music uh, and punk rock and in Oklahoma in Oklahoma and riding a skateboard. But at the same time, you know, my, I was around country music all the time and yeah. I heard it all the time. And the culture was highly revolved around that. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, later on me, I guess, taking my spin on it and doing it the way I would do it. And so when we first started it, we were like, let's make country music, but let's make country music. that's cool. Yeah. You know, let's make something that we would listen to. Yeah. Me and my bandmates who first started the project and there was a four of us in the beginning and we, in the beginning it was going to also be, we we all had motorcycles. So it was going to be a cowboy motorcycle club. (laughs) And, uh, and for a while we rode motorcycles to our gigs, but then we started touring and it just, we did one tour where we had like people, uh, have gear for us at the venue that we could borrow. And oh, wow. We, so we did a tour. On so you did, you did a tour on motorcycles. Yeah. That's a first. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Before. And it was a pain in the ass. And, <laughs> and then when we started touring more and we bought a van, you know, we're like, listen, this isn't really about the motorcycles. We've made some music that we're proud of and let's yeah. just keep doing this thing. And, and we would go out and we'd go out again and again. And eventually, you know, band members start leaving because they can't hang with it because of the grind. And yeah, you know, you've seen it. Yep. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, to do it and do it right. It, it, it breaks, you know, it breaks a band over time. Yeah. And, uh, but that's also been one of the beautiful things about the project is this evolution is every time we brought somebody new in and a uh, new person comes into the band and you, uh, there's a tradition that I buy them a hat. I oh, take cool. them, I take them to the hat store and I buy them their first hat and then you, you know, and then we talk to them about, you know, what you've got to wear and that, um, you know, you can vary in certain ways, mm. but you've got to keep to the plan. Mm-hmm. You have to wear, these are, uh, Wrangler Rancher pants that mm-hmm. we wear and, um, that's all you can wear. Mm-hmm. There's not like, no, I've got this other kind of black pants I want mm-hmm. to wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but you can, you can express yourself through your belt buckle or through your neckwear. Mm-hmm. Um, I want, you know, Ben Straley from the band wears a mask. Mm. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, he, that. always, yeah. he always wears a mask. Yeah. Um, and so there's room for individuality, but it's gotta, it's gotta be like, you know, go back to the Ramones or Devo, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the uniformity. And so when you do that and you live it and you go out and do it, it affects the music. Yeah. Uh, the first record was a concept and then you do a tour and then you come back and you got all these stories from the tour and yeah. then, you know, that's how bands become bands Yeah, is by living it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the, in the, well, the chemistry that that develops yeah. too. Yeah. So then, yeah. then you've got all these buddies that you did this crazy tour with that doesn't make any sense and maybe you lost your ass on it and mm-hmm. maybe there were good shows and bad shows but mm-hmm. you're you're almost like war buddies you know you look back Absolutely. on it and you can't you're a family n- nobody else can relate nobody else can understand yep um it's it, and you know and then you come back home and you can't relate to reality and you have to and you get depressed and you try to figure that out and yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and yeah what am i doing and yeah and so you know for me right now I'm in a phase that I'm, I'm taking a, you know, I'm taking a little time and I'm kind of, it's, it's really a good time for me to look back. You know, we had like four records that came out. I did the Android Mm -hmm. Amaker thing Mm -hmm. and, um, I don't have any shows 
booked right now. And mm-hmm. I'm proud of that. You right. know, it's like when the time is right, we'll be back at it. Cool. But it's, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's nice to take a moment because it was just every time one record was done, we were making the next one. And it's, oh yeah. It's nice yeah. to take a moment and kind of like sit back and look at where things came from and where they're going and, mm. and kind of get some clarity on the whole project. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I, I that that's really smart. I'm. I I like hearing that that was intentional. Um, right now I'm like in an unintentional standstill. We, you know, it's all about what what's gonna be the next move and all this shit. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just trying to write songs still. And yeah, and and and, and, and I feel like that is it's the biggest battle always everything else is just reactive it's just like how you react to it you know like shows tours all that i think i'm also at a point you know for my i'm 51 now for my 50th birthday i had a big show at the triple door Mm -hmm. and i had myself lowered from the ceiling and (laughs) made an entrance and it it was a fabulous show it was packed out it was my birthday party and it was also a show and it was just it was incredible and uh and I, I think I'm at a point in my life and I've done enough with this project mm. that I don't feel as restless. Mm. I don't feel like I have to prove anything. And, um, and it's maybe a good time for me to um, kind of let it breathe, mm. you know, for a little bit. If so, if a, if a great opportunity comes up like these Maverick shows, we were, mm. we were not planning on playing them. Uh-huh. And, um, and they were like these two big theaters, uh, Edmonds center of the arts in Edmonds, Washington and revolution hall in Portland. And we were the only opener and cool. they were both sold out, you know, right. a thousand seat rooms sold out. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was really not planning on playing any shows then. Right. But we got the offer and, uh, it's funny how things work out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and at that very moment, I had a couple of band members that said they weren't ready to get back into it right now. And so, mm-hmm. as I've always done, I moved forward without them. And I, um, we brought Lance Mercer from the Briefs in mm. as a bass player. And I, he, the Briefs are like a, another. I just met him the other day. Yeah. So the Briefs were like to me like the local version of Devo or mm-hmm, you know like mm-hmm. or the Ramones yeah so it's just so perfect that Lance joined the band right and then Johnny Nails um, from Full Toilet and the Chasers and uh-huh. um, he played guitar and he used to play bass for the rodeo and uh, he moved over to guitar so I had two new members for the probably a couple of the biggest shows we've ever played that's crazy and it was incredible I mean it was they everybody played so well and just like it has always been when you move forward Uh and you decisively do it Mm. it brings new life into the project and for these it's always been that way when somebody joins the rodeo it's exciting Mm -hmm. it's like they get to get their hat they get to learn the culture they get to dive into this thing it gives you a chance to funnel i never look to replace anybody i never want to replace the last member right i want to find somebody who's ready to let their inner cowboy freak shine, mm-hmm. you know, and, oh. and they've got to have that attitude. And that's why like Lance was such a great fit because mm. the briefs, you know, yeah, totally. it's just like it, it makes total sense. Well, his daughter's Mackenzie Mercer yeah. um, of the young evils. And, yeah. and, and it was actually the first time that I realized that. Yeah, or I—I I mean, realized. Yeah, learned, Mackenzie, learned that. Mackenzie, oh and God, Troy are really great friends of mine. Yeah, and so, it, great people. And I've actually been friends with Troy longer than Lance. Mm. I was a fan of Lance's mm-hmm. band maybe mm-hmm. before I met Troy or around <laughs> the same time. Sure. And it's just weird how everything kind of totally. comes together. It's—it's a—it's really weird. And the longer you live in Seattle. Um, you know, the more that happens, the more this right. big city becomes a small town. Yeah. I mean, you and me, uh, I haven't even looked, but I, I'm sure we have hundreds of mutual Facebook friends and sure. we probably have 
less but a significant number of actual friends. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, case in point right there. Yeah. One last thing. Um, you brought up Johnny Cash. Did you read his autobiography? I, I, uh, I didn't. I, I think it was one of those books that I got a hold of and I, and I skimmed some little bit and I'm, mm. I'm not a, I'm actually a better product of the Ted talk generation sure. because I can't hang with reading. I just, right. I, I, uh, I have some form of ADD or something that, uh-huh. and, and I, I, uh, I'll get into a book and I'll read a, a few pages and then uh, I get distracted. Oh, you know, I'm with you. I can't can't hang with it. So no, the answer is no. Well, you should, you should check it out like audiobook or whatever. Yeah. So is it amazing? I I read that book. I mean, there's a few books I've been dedicated to in my life and uh, they're sitting in the shelves right here. So there's that, that's the few. Um, But that's one of them, man. I mean, I was, maybe I was just young enough for it too, but it changed my life. I just, I love, I love him. Yeah. I love that book. Uh, I, I like I like Johnny Cash a lot. I mean, I was just definitely it's just one of you brought him up and it was like one of those things like, oh, did you read it? You know the 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 thing I the rodeo story I have that's the closest thing to Johnny Cash is we actually in Europe played two on two different occasions maximum security prisons. Oh really? Yeah, we played a, a we did. How did that get booked? We had a we had a booking agent over there that was booking these club dates and he had a racket where he could run bands through the prisons and they paid him as entertainment nice. and um and uh we played a uh, in belgium antwerp <laughs> belgium their their maximum security prison yeah. and uh and we you know rolled through the prison and they and they the the warden had a dinner for us after we played no and way. gave us a tour of the prison the prisoners were like getting restless during our set and there was like a little skirmish and they asked us to play extra songs so they could get them under control. No there were way. like guards there. I mean, it was, it was the freakiest and most surreal. I mean, I look back on it. I can't believe it happened. It yeah. was really, really amazing to get to do that. That's super cool. Yeah. We went through the, we, our van rolled into the prison and they had to take all our passports and they give uh, them back to, back to you when you leave. It was just freaky. like, yeah, it was really freaky. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd be a little freaked out doing it here. Yeah, but to do it in yeah, Belgium, it was nuts. We did a lot of crazy stuff. It was, it's. Uh, I hope to get back over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, maybe some of your um, your international fans will be excited and anxious to to hear you on speak candidly like this. That's always my goal. Is like, is that well? One, my goal is that people discover your music and it sells records. Yeah. And two is that the people who enjoy your music get to hear what's between your ears. You know, as we're sitting here talking about it right now, you know, talking about kind of the intentional break, but having done that Android Amaker project, which I'm so proud of, I'm so lucky, mm-hmm. feel so pleased to have been able to work with Vox Mod and Peace Move, but it mm-hmm. has cleansed my palate. And mm-hmm. I find myself re energized and re engaged with the rodeo and thinking to myself, how, I, how excited I am to write the next record. Sure. And get yeah. back into it. Yeah, that's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Yeah, what a lovely experience to you know to hear about, honestly. Yeah. As, especially as creatives. I mean, we just... Yeah. I mean, as people in general, I mean, we're just always looking for inspiration. Well, and, and here's the one place where uh, Android Amaker fits together with all that is... Uh, there was, I did an interview with Flavorwire and they asked me uh, some questions about different things. And one of them was, you know, about writing music and, and uh, my quest for immortality as I'm, <laughs> you know, as I'm getting older and I was uh-huh. fascinated with this Kurzweil thing is the, uh-huh. the, the whole title was the country singer who will become immortal. Right. That's kind of the whole hook line for the That's story. Cool. And, um, and the, one of the things I said, which I think is very true, whether it's immortality or just technology allowing to, us to extend our lives, um, it does bring me a sense that I'm in this for the long haul mm. and I can keep making records for a long time and I don't have to mm-hmm. make one this week mm-hmm. or next week. It can be next year mm-hmm. um, because I've, I think we've all got more time. Mm. We've got more time to focus on this. And I don't think you have to, 
it's a matter of how you define yourself. If mm. you define yourself as a musician and you're always going to define yourself as a musician, yeah, there's plenty of time. Nothing right? else at this point. Yeah. And we're, and we're <laughs> going to have, and we're, and we're, yeah. And, and traditional jobs, they're all going to get gobbled up by robots and algorithms. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm. art is kind of a great thing to focus on. Did you, have you listened to that record Avenue B by Iggy Pop? I've listened to a lot of Iggy Pop. I don't know if I know that one. Yeah, you might. You should check that out. Which one is it? It's well, it's called Avenue B. Yeah, it, but what what era? So what era? Era is two thousand two thousand one. Oh, so this is like old, old was, Iggy Pop. It's when he was when he turning, got old. It's when he was turning fifty. Yeah, fucking phenomenal record. Yeah, it's I don't. Great. Yeah, I don't know if I know that. I you know, like most people, I I got way into a lot of the early stuff, and I, sure, and I got into the eighties stuff. I was way into the eighties. The eighties stuff was cool, right? Yeah, 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 I actually just got one of those records that. Uh, like the and a lot of it went out of print for a long time until yeah. until the whole train spotting like revival. Re, of this yeah, group. revival. When yeah. I saw, um, I was young enough when I saw. Remember that they made a, a music video for Lust for Life. Yeah, with him at that point during yeah. the train spotting era, and I was yeah. like, "Who is this old guy? Yeah, well, this sucks." Later on, Lust for Life became my favorite album, you know, of all time. No, I got I got into age. it like. I got into him back in the eighties yeah. when he was, he was kind of done. Like he was out of fashion. Yeah. And I got into him because I was into David Bowie so much. That totally. I, that I, you know, I wanted to hear the original version of China girl, which is so mm. much better to this day. Right. Right. The, he, he wrote that song and hearing him do it is, it's the way it should be. Wait, Iggy did it. Yeah. China girl. I didn't know that. China girl was written by Iggy pop. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's his biggest hit ever. You should listen to the Iggy Pop version of China Girl. Oh, well, I'm going to now. Yeah, just Google it. You'll find it someplace. It's, oh, man. It's I, incredible. I love and the it. the guitar solo, and it's just like everything in it is so good, and it's so more freaky and just weird. It's such oh. a... Such okay, a well, song. you got... I'll check that out. You check out Avenue B. Okay, yeah. Maybe so we, we would we both learned, We right both learned now. something about Iggy Pop, which... He, by the way, is another one of my heroes, and the fact that I don't know a record of his is a little embarrassing. So, that's, well, aside, I mean, the 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 true concept of the show is, is almost exactly to bring that kind of content that yeah. we have as musicians when yeah. we're hanging out. Yeah, you know, and things like that always happen. You yeah. know, we always talk about uh, other artists, and then somebody discovers something that they didn't know totally. about the other artists, and it's like uh, the only the only circumstance in which I've been able to be gifted those opportunities were at shows or hanging out with other musicians, Yeah, you know? And so that's exactly like the truest concept of the show. That was the initial thing. It was like, let's just, what if we can bring that experience, those, uh, discoveries to your fans? Yeah. You know? Totally. So cool. We, we've got it done. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you for, thank you for being on the show. Oh yeah. Gone a lot of miles and the fire's going down, but the train's still coming. Just listen to the sound. Like squealing of the brakes when you try to stop the car. You're burning up inside because you don't know who you are. Good God, get your head together. There's a fire inside, even in you. We all got the fire. We all know what to do. Kill or be killed. Find a way to feed. You're gonna go hungry if you don't know what you need. Alright, how about Brent? That was pretty great. I really enjoyed talking to him. And um, if you enjoy his music and you want to buy it, go to... uh, the description section of this page where you can find links to uh, Brent Amaker and the Rodeo and his new project Android Amaker. Um, go support and make music profitable again so you can hear more from these talented musicians. I was recently listening to Brett Easton Ellis's uh, podcast and he did a, a conversation with um, Shirley Manson back this summer on 727 and uh, Shirley Manson from the band Garbage 
Um, they just had wonderful things to say, um, and she had some wonderful ideas about um, the challenges in the music industry to be profitable and uh, what streaming and downloading has taken from the music industry, not just the big corporations, but from the artists. And if you're interested in that subject matter, you should go check that out. Um, in the description section of this page, I said you can you can find the links to go buy their music. You can also find it on our Twitter page, which has the handle at right behind us, spelled with a W. Uh, for pics of our guests, look up BD and the Sheiks on Instagram. Not for my benefit, for theirs. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe on our podcast app. We have much more coming soon. That's it, and ciao for now.